Keep this quote in mind from Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. The internet has given everybody in America a voice. For some reason, everybody decides to use that voice to bitch about movies. Welcome to episode five. This podcast is setting the stage for my very first guest on the cinema podcast, and that's going to be filmmaker Tucky Williams. And I can't wait to have her on because she's going to perfectly dovetail into what I'm going to be talking about when it comes to cinema. For all of you filmmakers out there who have had your work picked over, criticized, it's not easy to go work your ass off on something and then put it out there and have people rip it apart. I can go for days talking about how my stuff has been both loved and and destroyed online. That's not what I'm talking about today and, and what I'll be having Tucky on the show for. Uh, This is about understanding what real film criticism is and understanding film instead of just saying one star and it sucked. There is a big difference between a comment and a critically thought out review. I saw a great tweet by film critic and reviewer Scott Weinberg, and I love his work. I love reading his work because number one, Scott loves movies. He loves film. So when he writes, he writes from a place of passion. And Scott understands film. He tweeted a great tweet, and I'm going to read it right here. He said, I've learned that filmmakers are fine with people not liking their films. They know art is subjective. What they dislike is petty ignorance. That's what this podcast is about today. It's about filmmakers out there putting their stuff out and having it be destroyed by ignorance, not by well-thought-out criticism. One of the worst reviews I've ever had for Camp Dread was also one of the best written ones. And I ended up creating an online friendship with the reviewer because I loved her review so much. And I'm going to be referring about her at the end of this podcast because her negative review of Camp Dread was absolutely stellar because she gets film. A comment is not a review. And we can go into Rotten Tomatoes later. That will be a separate podcast. But someone making an ignorant comment is not a review of a film. But unfortunately, those kind of ignorant comments rack up and people tend to take them as reviews and they can subsequently damage a film's performance, which is exactly what these people want to do. A bane of social media is the inspirational tweeter. This this is the person whose life is going so well. They feel the need that they need to tell you how you too can find the happiness they have found. They're a digital Hallmark card, like the the cyber chicken soup for the soul. Some are ballsy enough to take on real reviewers like Scott Weinberg or or John Squires and tell them how they're wrong or, or set them straight, especially when it comes to superhero or horror movies. These quote unquote reviewers usually have little production value. Their videos are shot with no lighting or professional sound. And while some have under 50 views, they usually start their critiques with, hey, everyone, everyone. You mean the six viewers minus the ones you made to hear your own review? You know, it would be really interesting, but not worth the time, to turn the tables and review the reviewers. Imagine if we reviewed the reviewers on their physical appearance, their dialogue. It's it's mostly a mental vomit of free association while trying really hard to be bitchy, snarky, and cool. Lighting and sound, it's most of the time, it's basically non-existent with standard webcam or camcorder technology. You know, I watched one review of the classic 1967 Rankin-Bass film, Mad Monster Party, because it's one of my favorite kids' movies of all time, one of my favorite movies of all time. And the reviewer was a guy under a sheet 
and he was under the sheet almost the whole time. I, I guess he's kind of like the unknown reviewer taking a, you know, a connection with the, the unknown comic from the gong show. So this guy regurgitates pretty much the plot of the movie, which does not constitute a review from underneath a sheet. And the only thing that he really did review was ragging on Phyllis Stiller's laugh and casting. Apparently he thought his sheet shtick was better. So I, I guess it comes down to, well, gee, Harrison, you have thin skin. No, I don't have thin skin. Look, once you lose your hair, nothing else matters. It just comes down to the fact that if people are going to put themselves out there as reviewers or make public critiques, then don't you think they should know what they're talking about? Would you see a doctor with similar standards of quality or a mechanic? Would you eat in a restaurant with a chef who looks like he hasn't showered in several days and lightly takes a dump without washing his hands? If the answer is no, why are the opinions of such unqualified reviewers taken into account at all? I can't wait till Tucky comes on the show so she can read to you some of the comments that were left on her film on Amazon and why that film was yanked off of Amazon as part of the result of these comments. It's ridiculous. And let me go into one other thing too. There's this other fad that's been around for a while and that is the trailer reviewers. So, you know, they drop a, a trailer for Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, whatever, it doesn't matter. They drop a trailer and I'm gonna use my own Death House for that. I created a trailer for Death House to be shown specifically on the convention circuit because Gunnar Hansen, who came up with the entire concept of Death House, that's who he really wanted to appeal to. He wanted his convention fans to see the film. Anyway, I created a trailer that we would take onto the convention circuit to show that we really meant business, that this was not gonna be some cheap gimmick movie of just sticking in a bunch of horror celebrities like, oh look, there's Tony Todd. Oh look, there's Sid Haig, there's Bill Mosley, there's Dee Wallace, there's Kane Hodder. We're not doing that. So we had a pretty rough and tumble trailer and you can see it online. So a trailer reviewer comes along and reviews the trailer for Death House. And I'm going to equate trailer reviews with the same thing as walking into the doorway of a restaurant, taking three sniffs and saying, yup, this place sucks. So you're going to base your opinion of an entire motion picture on a 60 second or perhaps 90 second trailer. Because if that's the case, then we gotta go back and we gotta get rid of Jaws, we gotta get rid of Star Wars. Just go online and look at old trailers. If the success of those movies were based on their trailers, we wouldn't have much of anything. So this trailer reviewer starts complaining about Death House. Number one, saying that the film looks cheaply shot. Well, it was shot on the Alexa Pro, one of the highest standard cameras out there. Then the next thing was, well, they use red light, which is a sign of a cheap movie. The whole movie takes place underground and there is a power outage, which leads to him complaining about everything looks real dark. And you know, folks, when they shoot everything real dark, it means they have low production value. Hardly. That was not the case at all. The lights go out. The people that are left alive inside the facility have to find their way with flashlights because the entire facility, the subterranean facility, is without power and there is no light. So you're making false assumptions about something and totally out of context. Very rarely will I take the bait and will I comment on a public forum about something negative about one of my films. If that were the case, I'd spend all day just responding to these morons that just do it to troll and flame up. I had to tell them, I don't mind that you didn't like the trailer. 
that's fine. And you may not even like the coming movie. You haven't seen it yet, but you're obviously making a judgment. You're wrong, jackass. You got all these things wrong that you're talking about. So I pointed out where this person was wrong on a technical aspect and a contextual aspect. This isn't subjective. And someone, again, these people that are like, see what they do is they get you to get angry. And then when they get you angry, they go, oh gee, I don't know why you're upset. I didn't mean to make you upset. No, but you see, you did. You did mean it. So when I posted this, somebody wrote back, well, the trailer reviewer, he has the right to state his opinion. And I wrote back, and so does the filmmaker. I have every right to talk about what somebody says about my work if it's totally wrong. I had a reviewer on my first film out called The Fields with Cloris Leachman and Tara Reid calling me a racist for a line of dialogue in the film, which couldn't have been farther from the truth. And when I get to that podcast, and you can see it on my blog, it's under the uh, blog titled Critical Thinking, I screenshot the actual review and responded to it piece by piece. And when you see the scene in the film, you would know that this reviewer had no idea what he was talking about and publicly goes out and brands someone a racist. And I responded back to it. So does that mean I have a thin skin? Does it mean I, I can't take criticism? I will not be called a racist when I am not. If you didn't like the film, that's perfectly fine. My ex-wife did not care for the film. That's okay, and that's not why she's my ex-wife. A computer blog and a love of watching movies doesn't make someone qualified to critique movies. The same thing goes for filmmaking. Just because you have a prosumer camera and Final Cut Pro or Adobe Premiere, it doesn't make you a filmmaker. It's no different than, well, I, I really like to watch doctor shows, so I guess I'm a surgeon. You have to have a fundamental base and understanding of exactly what you're implementing. To show what I mean, I am going to post a review of Camp Dread by Slackjaw Punks to prove exactly what I mean. Felix Felicis of Slackjaw Punks is the author of the great negative review of Camp Dread. And I, I got to just read you her conclusion of it. Camp Dread is ultimately a forgettably bland, yet inoffensive meta-movie within a movie that'll kill time relatively painlessly, if you're properly lubed up to watch it with alcohol alongside your stupid hot neighbor who just broke up with her boyfriend-slash-girlfriend-slash-hamster name Enrique and is on the rebound. It's horror white noise, perfect to get a little action with if you time that move to second base just right. It's not going to blow your hair back, but suspend your disbelief at its absurdity and it'll ruffle your forever 21 skirt a bit. What a great negative review. I was laughing so hard. Her negative review brought a smile to my face. So I, I can't say enough about that because it's just a pleasure, whether it's positive or negative, to be reviewed by people who know what they're talking about. And that is a lot different than just making a comment. She did not like the film but she is a gifted writer. She understands movies and I loved it. I'll post the link to this review on the YouTube channel notes for this podcast. Now Camp Dread has received glowing reviews. It's also been given some negative ones from Slackjaw Punks. Some of the great ones are empty accolades. I mean, you get people going, oh, it's awesome, it's this. I don't wanna hear awesome, I wanna know what particularly about it did you like? Was it the cinematography? Was it the acting? Was it the story? Did it make you scared? Did it make you jump? Did it make you laugh? Uh, did you find it campy and enjoy it that way? Uh, you know, just an empty, awesome or thumbs up. I mean, 
Yeah, that's nice, but it really doesn't do a lot. And there have also been some negative ones. And as I said, some of them have been extremely well written as as tough as they were. They supported their opinions with a knowledgeable response. And as the film's director, writer, producer, I understood what they were saying. A positive review from Culture Fix hit every single thing we wanted Camp Dread to bring its audience. It was written by a reviewer who understood the horror genre and the slasher subgenre. You can read the full review on my blog. It's listed under When Filmmakers Strike Back. Understanding the horror subgenre, there, there's got to be a certain adherence to formula. Go a little too far off the mark and fans will assail you for not being traditional enough. Stay on point, you get blasted for being cliche and stereotypical and bringing nothing new to the table. That's what Eli Roth said the one time. He said horror fans are the worst because they want something new and they beg for something new. You give them something new and then they go, well, yeah, but it's not like Evil Dead. And Roth's response is, well, no, Evil Dead is Evil Dead. Friday the 13th is Friday the 13th. And trust me, I'll get to this with Death House. We went for something entirely different with Death house and yet people still complained when you gave them something new and these were the very same ones that are online complaining that there's nothing new out there and they're sick of sequels and they're sick of remakes so you give them something new and then they bitch the slasher film in friday the 13th they spawned endless sequels copying and pasting these characters into each installment no one goes to see friday the 13th for the deep character arcs we took our characters in camp dread and added some new spins to them but we kept them near their slasher roots And yet you still have uninformed reviews that range from too much character development, which I can't believe, to shallow, thinly drawn characters. So so which is it, folks? The characters are given specific dialogue reminiscent of classic slashers. Yet one negative review said, without quoting, we had a piece of dialogue reminiscent of the quality of Shark Attack 3. And in case you don't know what was said, that famous line from Shark Attack 3, I'm actually going to play it for you. So if there's a copyright infringement, they can come after me because the line is just too good. But there is nothing in Camp Dread that sounds remotely like this. I'm exhausted. Yeah, me too. But, you know, I'm really wired. What do you say I take you home and eat your pussy? There is nowhere in our film that has a piece of dialogue anywhere near this bad or most of all ill-placed and out of context from the genre of the film. All our dialogue was carefully written with regard to the slasher genre and what fans would expect. Most of the pushback you're getting, it's from people that just don't get it. They don't understand. It may sound like it's not me, it's them. I, I know what this sounds like, but in this case, it really is. For example, the web show Bloodbath and Beyond totally got what we were doing with our dialogue. In fact, they also presented their review with high production value, cool graphics, proper lighting, and well-done sound. They know their horror and had a fun, original way of reviewing Camp Dread that made them stand out from the rest. They were not cynical. They weren't trying to sound like dicks. And you know what? I'll bet even if they didn't like Camp Dread, they would have delivered the same way and the same kind of quality at the same level that they did the positive review. So before the Oprah crowd feels I'm being a bully, I'm picking on people who can't make slickly produced reviews, or I have thin skin, and I'm upset because somebody didn't like my movie, be less interested in being funny, snarky, or just a plain dick. It's nice to get good reviews, isn't it? However, some of the sloppy negative reviews stood out to me because it wasn't that they were negative. 
An example, Shock Till You Drop was not a fan of Camp Dread, but their review is solid, well-written, and well-supported by the author. These were problems I had with some reviews that did not hold similar standards. One reviewer knocked Camp Dread because of a killing made by a watermelon at the end of the film. He felt it was silly, and, and I agree, that is. But the problem is, there is no such killing at the end of Camp Dread. I reached out to this reviewer to correct this. It wasn't because he didn't like the film. It was simply because there was no killing like that. He was wrong. I pointed out that while indeed a watermelon-type launcher is used in the film's climax, it wasn't a watermelon that was used as the weapon. The reviewer was surprised and then admitted he watched the film a few weeks previous to writing the review and was going to go back to his notes. If you saw the film, it's pretty damn clear that's no watermelon. So I don't know what notes were taken at the time of the viewing, but it's clear better attention should be paid to the screenings. Here's a positive review that literally thought Camp Dread was a sequel to Sleepaway Camp. The film is a tip of the hat to Sleepaway Camp, but it is no way connected to the storyline of those previous films. This reviewer loved Camp Dread. The only problem is, is that it's not a sequel to Sleepaway Camp. So that positive review, it means nothing. Several other negative reviews hold the reality show concept as the culprit for a cliched horror film. And while I wholeheartedly agree, if you saw Camp Dread, then you know that the reality show concept is a Hitchcock MacGuffin. This is not a film about spy cameras, surveillance, and watching people to exploit them. It is quite the opposite. And the last seven minutes of the film give you a get-the-fuck-out ending to let you know that the audience has been had. Look, we were well aware that the reality show concept was overdone. We knew there would be comparisons to Battle Royale and, and other films like that. But the game show idea has little to nothing to do with what's happening in Camp Dread. This isn't backtracking. It's fact. It's the story structure of the film. Tucky Williams is going to be my first guest on the next podcast. And she's got one hell of a story to tell. Not only does she have to fight the ignorance and the politically correct dealings of streaming Amazon, she had to endure the comments. You know what it's like to see these people comment. And for me, if you look on my cinema podcast channel, I've disabled the comments. And a lot of people go, oh, no, no, no. It's important that people interact. There is no interaction. It's just simply people trying to be hurtful dicks. They want to hate on everything just so they get a comment, just so that you fire back and they can feel like they're important. Comment sections, whether under the news, whether under videos on YouTube, whether on Amazon, they're not for intellectual discourse. They are one-sided conversations and they are meant to just simply cause harm and to be nasty. You know, I remember when I was a freshman at Penn State University and I took my only film course. It was on film criticism. And the professor said something along the line of, uh, what, what do you feel has been, you know, the, the most recent scary horror film that you've seen and what were your thoughts on it? And I raised my hand and I said, well... It's not recent, but I saw Psycho 2 uh, two years ago, and uh, I loved it. I, in fact, I said I thought it was more entertaining in some ways than the original. 
I didn't say that Psycho 2 was better than Psycho. And most of all, I was about to support my statement with some examples as to why I felt, including the script, including Richard Franklin's direction, and the fact that Psycho 2 kind of turned the slasher a little bit on its ear. He's screaming at me. He's telling me that's the problem with your generation. You don't appreciate what's come before. You just think that blood, gore, and nudity is is the standard for these horror films. And he said, these things are not horror. These things don't even qualify as quality entertainment. And I finally just said at the end, I'm like, sir, I didn't say it was superior. I just simply said that I enjoyed it more because I walked in expecting to hate Psycho 2 for a lot of the things that you just got done saying. To get you folks prepped for my next podcast with Tucky Williams, I want you to go to the IMDB for girl slash girl scene. And all I want you to do is read the comments and then tune in to hear the filmmaker herself talk about this situation. Head on over to iTunes and give me a like and review. And if you want to read my cinema blog, you'll find it at horrorfuel.com forward slash author forward slash Harrison. If you like this podcast, and if you're an aspiring filmmaker making your way through the independent film minefield, I offer one-on-one coaching sessions by phone or Skype. Email me at this site or classof85llc at gmail.com for information and pricing. I offer input on your completed or in-development film or screenplay and offer insight into all aspects of pre-production, production, and post, and eventual distribution. Hope to hear from you.